It's uh, Monday. Hope everyone's doing well. Blessing to you guys from from us here. He sent his word, and we love you guys. We, we bless you guys here. Those guys listening on Zoom and Facebook and uh, and YouTube. Um, I pray that your the peace of God that passes all understanding is upon you. In the name of Jesus, you know it's um, it's it's um, funny times and it's uh, unprecedented what's going on. But we always remain in faith. And uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. So we're going to remember that we are, we're here for you. And uh, I love to, um, to to encourage you as a father and as a, a friend and as a pastor and as a brother. And, uh, I want to encourage you. I want you to be edified in the things that Christ is not lost control. God has not lost control. God is on the throne. Amen. And he's just looking for vessels of earthly vessels that would be um, filled with the with the world of faith and the world of hope and the world of love. And with that, lose your peace. Stay in, stay in peace, knowing that our Lord Jesus, at his right time, will fulfill all our needs according to his riches and glory. And I really mean that as a, as a father to a son or to a daughter. They look up and they, you know, our kids will look up to us and say, what do I do? How do I do this? And our job is to bring protection and bring the fact that Christ, the hope of glory, is upon us. Amen? It's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to know that God has not lost control. Amen? Amen to that. So, um, And uh, tonight's message I want to share, and it's funny, I wasn't, we're going to touch on some things that are happening at the moment, but that's not really my message. But it's a message of encouragement, guys. It's a message of edification to understand that you know, at the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, it is finished. What was finished? The punishment of sin, death, and hell on the grave was being paid for. The law was fulfilled. And to us who are Gentiles, who weren't even under the covenant of the law, the curse of Adam was broken. Now that we have a, a lineage and an inheritance in the Father through the Son, I've shared this before. In the old culture of the Jewish Semitic culture, all the inheritors went to the oldest son. The oldest son basically inherited all the father's wealth, all the father's, whatever the father had built up. And when he died, the oldest son would normally get the inheritance. Well, that's what happened with Jesus. Jesus died and got the inheritance. Jesus being our older brother gave it to us. He says, you can share in my inheritance. Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father, and we've been seated in heavenly places, right hand of the Father, next to Jesus. Amen. That's a promise from the Father. But tonight's message, I want to share something. I want to share a little bit about uh, the title of my message is Cast Out the Bondwoman and Her Son. And it's an analogy, an allegory that Paul used. And I want to touch on this um, in Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. Now, we don't want this to become a lecture. I want to chat with you as I'm sitting at a coffee table with you. But I want to share something with you. Every picture in the Bible, there's a deeper spiritual meaning. To be honest, the whole Bible is spiritual. Yes, there's physical stories and true stories, and then there's parables and allegories, and there's poetry and there's history. They're all part of the the uh, the whole puzzle in the scripture but it's amazing how Paul who we shared last week about praying in the spirit and I want to touch on that a bit more I didn't want to get off that subject but when I get in the natural when I get in the carnal when I get in the flesh in my everyday life things look bleak I see and I go by what I see but in the spirit I go by faith now it's not blind faith. It's not like I oh, just believe blindly. No, no, no. There's a there's a fundamental foundation what I believe. Someone asked me once. Uh, we're talking and someone was sick. I said I'll pray for him, bro. And they said, Yeah, yeah I'll pray too. And then I shared a, I shared a little bit of a, a faith message to him to encourage him. And I said, See, every religion prays. True. Even people that don't pray will feel bad when they hear someone sick. They'll say, 
oh, I'll, I'll light a candle for you, or I'll pray for you, or I'm thinking about you. I, pray, you know, they all mean well. Well, what's the difference between us and every other religion when they say I'll pray? Why would God answer someone's prayer just because someone's sick? Why would God answer a prayer from a from another religion, for example? They mean well. We'll pray for you. Or someone says, I'll pray for you. They don't really have any faith, but they're willing to pray. What makes someone think they're going to answer their prayer? Why are we so assured that when we pray, God hears our prayer? Is it because we prayed that someone gets healed? Or is it because uh, we know God's a good God and God will listen to our prayer? You know, we got all these questions. And I said to the guy, I'm assured that Christ will answer our prayer or God will answer our prayer not because God is good, and he is, not because I prayed and we, we should pray, but because Christ, what he did at the cross. See, my faith is based on not blind faith, but it's based on the knowledge that Christ went to the cross 2,000 years ago. I know that by his stripes we are healed. I know that he took my curse that we can become blessed. I know that he, he curses anyone that hangs on a tree. He says he took my sin and pay the ultimate price that I can have his righteousness. So my fundamental faith is not just blindly believe, it's based on what Jesus did at the cross. Amen? So we are all standing on the finished work of the cross. Amen. So I want to touch on some things that, um, that we sort of say, and if I was to say to you, don't walk in the flesh, walk in the spirit. Don't walk in the soul. Cast out the flesh, kill the flesh, deny the flesh. All these things we say, do we really know what we're saying? So tonight I want to share something about Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says, was a man of faith. He said he believed God and there was a counter to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Abraham believed in the coming Messiah. How did he believe that? By faith. Jesus, uh, the Father, uh, God the Father said to him, look at the sand. I went, look at the sand. Look at the stars and look at the sand. Stars represents spirit-filled Christians, heavenly Christian, heavenly people, and the sand represents earth. Man was made from the dust of the earth. Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation, natural Israel, and he's the father of a spiritual Israel, which is any man that puts his faith and trust in Christ has got the promise of Abraham, has been fulfilled in the promise of Abraham. So when God offered, uh, and a lot of people know this story, but I'm talking about the people that don't know the story. God promised him he'd be the father of many. Even to the point where he changed his name from Abraham to Abraham, meaning the father of many. And it got to the point where they were nearly 100 years old. God's still saying this promise. And Abraham goes, well, where, who's going to be my heir? I have no sons. Abraham was a very, very wealthy man. Very wealthy man. And it was amazing that <laughs> I often laugh about this. Um, Sarah goes, I'm old. You're not going to give me any more pleasure. You're old. <laughs> so, yeah, Haggai's our bond servant or our bond slave. And the Semitic traditions in that culture that was passed down, it's not God. But it was a traditional thing that was passed down that if you couldn't give an heir to your husband, it was traditional that he would sleep with the the concubine or the slave or the bond servant to try and produce an heir. So it was not uncommon for that to happen. So when Sarah said to Abraham, hey, guy, sleep with her, Abraham didn't fight her, didn't say, no, disgusting, how dare you, I rebuke you. He went straight away, so just as a side note. Anyway, he has a son named Ishmael. And Ishmael grew up and he was pleased with himself. And then God says, that's not the promise. Ishmael was not the promise. I said, you'll have a son, you and Sarah. He's not the promise. And then Sarah gave birth to Isaac. And it's interesting. Let's pick it up from verse 21. That's the background, right? So, verse 21, uh, sorry, chapter 21, verse 8. And before we talk about it, we've got to remember that Isaac was the promise. 
It's a type of shadow of grace, favor. Ishmael was the work of the flesh. So Abraham and Sarah thought, well, I'm going to help God out a bit. So go stick with it. He does have a son from his loins, from his flesh. But when Isaac came along, he was the promise, not Ishmael. But as he grew up and he was weaned off the breast, it turns out that Ishmael now is persecuting Isaac. And we'll pick it up from verse 8, chapter 21, verse 8. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on that same day that Isaac was weaned. In other words, he's coming of age. He's off the breast milk, and now he's growing up. And Sarah saw that the son of Haggai, the Egyptian, whom she had uh, born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was so displeasing to Abraham's sight because of his son. So he now, Sarah's saying, listen, this Haggai and, and Ishmael's got to go. They will not share the inheritance. They're picking on us. They're mocking us. They're not having this. But Abraham was displeasing to Abraham. It was a hard thing to, to understand because Ishmael was from his loins. It's his son. But God said to Abraham, kept reading further on, God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because the lad, of because of your bondwoman, whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make the nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. What he was saying was the promise, the seed. Now you've got to go back a few steps. God promised him that from his seed the nation would be blessed. From the seed of Abraham, not the seeds, but the seed. Speaking of Christ, Paul addresses that. That one day out of the lineage, out of the spiritual lineage or the physical lineage of Abraham, Jesus Christ would be born. And from that, the fulfillment of the promise would come. But the fulfillment of Christ did not come from Ishmael. He said, I'll bless your son Ishmael. He's your seed. He's from you. And I'll make him a great nation. But he's not, he's not going to inherit the promise. That comes from Isaac. And it's amazing to see this, that when Sarah said, get rid of the woman, and, the, and God had to confirm it. And it's amazing to think to yourself, I don't know what Abraham said to God. He could have said to him, but Lord, let him stay, and he doesn't get any inheritance, but he can stay. God says, no, they can't stay. And if you read the story, he gives them water and uh, uh, water from a from a wine uh, 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 camel skin bottle, and he gives them bread and says, off you go. And it's, it's, it's amazing, this analogy. When we look at it in the natural, it's pretty tough, eh? kick out this woman and her son into the wilderness. Well, look at this. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 28. Galatians chapter 4, 4, verse 28. Paul's speaking about the same story. Look what he says. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but the free woman. And Paul's using this same analogy. He says, cast them out. Now, Paul is using this from the context of Genesis to refer to the Christians in Galatia. Galatia. And the Christians in Galatians wanted, were spirit-filled Christians who got saved but wanted to go back under the law. They wanted to say, well, okay, we're saved. We've got the Holy Spirit. We're born again. But guess what? You still need to get circumcised. And people were trying to fall back under the law. And Paul's using this analogy. He says there's no room for Ishmael and Isaac. If you go back to Genesis... Why was it so necessary to kick out the bondwoman and the and the, her son? You know, I've often asked myself that question. And the question is here, Paul addresses it from a spiritual point of view. And this is the reason why. If you don't cast out Ishmael, Ishmael will eventually pervert Isaac. In other words, if we go back to words, we go back under the law, 
Guess what? It will disturb our faith in grace. Can I say it in another way? If we go back to the flesh, the bond woman talks about slavery, talks about we're slaves to the sins of the flesh. If we now do not cast out the flesh, we don't consider the flesh dead, the flesh and the soul, the carnality of this world will creep in and then will rob our faith. And there's no room for both. You've heard this say, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Because you can't be lovers, love God and love money. For one will take precedent. Are you with me? This analogy he's talking about now is saying, we're either going to believe, let me say it in this context, we're either going to go by what we see or we're going to go by what we get, what the word of God says by faith. If I'm going to walk by Ishmael, the flesh, I'm going to go by the flesh and I'm going to give fruit to the flesh. So it's interesting to say, cast out the bondwoman and her son. Interesting. The bondwoman represents the flesh and Ishmael represents the fruit of the flesh. Are you with me? When they say that it's a work of the flesh, Ishmael is a product of Sarah and Abraham, not just Abraham. Yes, Abraham was the one that did the deed with Haggai and Ishmael was conceived, but it was a, the thought pattern came out of Sarah. In other words, Sarah stopped believing God. Sarah was going by what she saw. Sarah thought, that's it, it can't happen. This promise of God is not going to come to pass. So she said the next best thing would be go and get an heir. And guess what happened? Ishmael was conceived, was born, and he starts to persecute Isaac. Till this day, we know that the, uh, the Arab, a lot of the Arab nation came out of Ishmael's lineage, where we get Islam. You got Isaac, who's the grandfather of Jacob, the father of Jacob, I should say. Jacob was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons. They became the nation of, guess who's punching on with Israel till this day? Their brother. See, there's a consequence for every action. And here he says, cast her out, her and her son. Oh, bless her. You don't worry about that. You just cast it out. You know, it's very important that we understand that we can't have law and grace mixed together. We can't have the flesh and the spirit mixed together. I want to show you something. It's in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Now, I want you to understand something. The flesh can produce nothing good. Now, when I say flesh, I'm not just talking about your physical body, your hair, your, your flesh. Please understand me. The, anything to do with the flesh, when you read the word, walk by the spirit, not by the flesh, anything to do with carnality, which is your soul and your flesh, your body and your... You know, if we don't understand that concept, many Christians in the Middle Ages, uh, Martin Luther, who, who came out of that revelation, the just shall live by faith. Um, who basically split up the Catholic Church back in the 1600s. He was a monk. He was a Catholic priest. He read the scripture. He read it in Latin. wasn't conformed like the Bible we have. And he always had these bad thoughts. He always had these, these issues, in the, and he said that's a work of the flesh. So he would whip himself every night, physically whip himself. He had a church. So he would lay in front of the steps of the church, and all the priests would walk on him as they walked in as part of his crucifying his flesh. They literally walk on him. There's a, there's, a, there's a Christian sect to this day. They believe crucifying the flesh is stabbing yourself and whipping yourself and, and denying the flesh of everything. If you, uh, And listen, <laughs> let me tell you something. That's the devil's tactic. When they talk about the flesh, whipping yourself to the cows come home does not change the sinful desires of your heart. Are you with me? Jesus said it this way, if you look at a woman and lust, you've committed adultery. If you hate your brother, you've committed murder. What's he saying? Is it my eye, my physical eye that's causing me to sin, or is it the heart? Come on, let's get with the program here. Our fleshly desires get aroused or get enticed because of our soulish behavior of carnality or the things of the world. Our sinful nation wants to go down that road. Galatians 5.16 says this, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. I can keep going. My spirit and my flesh are at war. Now, a lot of people think that that's talking about the Holy Spirit. And yes, my flesh will always oppose the things of the Holy Spirit. But let's be honest here. The minute I got born again, Jesus said, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And I'll tell you the truth. You will not enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. See, the flesh wants to do what it wants. And I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. The flesh and the soul are best buddies. The minute you got born again, guess what? They started a fight within your soul. Now your, your spirit has been enlightened, as we said a couple of weeks ago. The lights come on. God's spirit has illuminated my spirit, and now my spirit wants the things of God. It wants to go to Bible studies. It wants to read its Bible. It wants to worship. And, 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 and Rabs talks about the honeymoon period. We all had that honeymoon period where nothing's going to stop me. That's it. I'm 100 miles out for God until I hit a wall. That wall wasn't the devil. That wall was my flesh. The devil arouses the flesh, but that was my flesh. And people wonder why, man, I used to have this zeal for God. People wonder why, man, I, I hit a wall and I don't know how to get back. Or, man, I think the devil's attacking me. And I, no, no, no. Listen. Listen to the process. The Holy Spirit came on us. The Holy Spirit came through us. But I thought, listen to me. I told anyone. Secret. I thought I was going to take on the whole world. I thought I was going to bring heaven down. I thought I was going to convert the whole of Australia and the whole of Lebanon. And I learned very quickly. <laughs> I was so far away from that, it wasn't funny because of the flesh, because of what was still inside me. I thought I'm going to entertain people into the kingdom. I thought, oh, I thought I proved my faith by praying in tongues in front of people. Oh, yeah, man, if, I, if there's a mistake out there, I've done it. Trust me. But I understood something. There's something ignited in my spirit. I had a lot of zeal for God. But I had no idea what I was talking about or what I was doing. And God still honored that. But as I, uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I did childish things. But when I grow up, I put away childish things. I, I start to mature. Amen? And the spirit wars against the flesh. See, a lot of people think that when they get born again and get spirit filled, that's it. The Holy Spirit does all the work. Can I say something to you? If I got saved, so we know that we got born again. We got born from above. But if I knew everything, if my spirit man knew everything and my spirit man understood everything, why do we have to edify it? Why do we have to renew the spirit of our mind? If I get born again, all I've done is been sealed for the day of redemption and I've been ignited, but what do I do after that? See, if it's just a matter of getting spirit-filled, you got to remember in the Old Testament, Pentecost was the beginning of the feast. When we got spirit-filled, just like the day of Pentecost, that's the beginning of our journey. Amen? So uh, my spirit wants to war against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Because now I'm in a battle. And guess what? My emotions are in the middle. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So my flesh, if I feed on carnality, if I feel on the things of the world, if I feel, can I say this this way? It's not wrong to desire to drive a new car. It's not wrong to desire to have a successful business. It's not wrong to have the best, you want to do the best for your children. Nothing wrong with that. And that's a, that's a good place to be. But if I'm doing that and my sole purpose to know God is for that, I don't miss the mark. If my sole purpose is to have a nice car and to have a nice house and to bless my kids and do nothing else for the kingdom, then I've been caught in the lust of the flesh. Amen? But if, if that's all I desire, but if I desire to hear from the Holy Spirit, because here it says the spirit wars against the flesh and those who walk, uh, let me read that properly, uh, the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit, and these are contrary to each other. That you do not do the things of you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What's the law? 
under the law of sin and, and, and death, the law of the, of the Ten Commandments. You see, getting led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit are two different things. They are the same thing in the sense that the Holy Spirit leads us, but my sin nature will either operate higher than my godly nature, my new nature. God had to change our nature in order to teach us. God doesn't work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. Amen. So going back to Abraham's story, as long as we entertain things of the flesh and the carnality of this world, we haven't cast her out. We know that Isaac's the promise. We know our spirit man is Isaac. In a, in a nutshell, our spirit man is like Isaac. It's from a promise, saved by grace and not by works. But while we entertain the bondwoman Haggai and Ishmael, in a sense, will never prosper in Isaac. You see, the inheritance, the Bible talks that we have an inheritance in Christ. Amen? But isn't it a sad place that you're a Christian? Where I know Christians, I meet Christians every day, and their life does not reflect the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about preaching and teaching and feeding the poor, no, that. Just to walk in peace, they don't have peace. Just to walk in health, they don't have health. Just to walk in joy, they don't have joy. That's a sad place to be. But what am I feeding on? What price am I willing to pay? No one loves a good time more than me, trust me. Hallelujah. I'm a party waiting for it to happen. But if that's all I got, I don't have anything of substance inside me. I'm walking in the flesh and telling God to bless that. God said, I'll bless Ishmael, but he's not the promise. Cast him out. And you know can I say this to you guys? This is a very dangerous place to be in as a Christian. If you look through every story in the Bible, there was times where when Joshua put down the, the walls of Jericho, he says, now take the gold and silver and kill everything else. And yet one guy didn't do that. Many times in the Bible he says, get rid of that, burn that, don't keep that. Don't. Why? Because if a little leaven corrupts the whole batch. A little leaven. I said this to someone once. It's only a little bit of this. It's only a little bit of that. And I'm not bringing condemnation. I'll be there. But if I was to say to you, I'm making some laham ajib, manush, and I gave you the manush, and you're about to eat it. But I said to you, oh, before you eat it, I put a couple of sprinkles of bird poo in it. I picked up some bird poo off the windscreen of my car, but it's gone hard, and I sprinkled it in there. Would you still eat the manush? Most people, most people would say no. But hang on, you're not going to taste it. It's only a little bit of a sprinkle, and it's all mixed up with the dough and the flour and the oil. You're not going to taste it. It's big bird. It's out of the oven. You only taste the zaton. You still wouldn't eat it. And yet, you won't eat that that you will never taste. And yet, we sprinkle a little bit of bird poo in our spirit. Have a think of that. I can't entertain. <laughs> I can't. How come everyone's laughing? I can't entertain things of the flesh. I can't entertain the bondwoman. The bondwoman represents the flesh and Ishmael represents the fruit of it and nothing comes out of it that's glorious. Nothing. You know, it's funny. Um, this, I can go through the million stories like this, but I want to ask you a question. This is, this is, this is, uh, this is a question I'm going to ask you all. And this is not a question of condemnation. And I'm just, this is a question to ask yourself. Am I prepared to walk by faith no matter what? What am I prepared to give up in order to know Christ? What am I prepared to let go of, even if it's something that I've built all my life? I've walked away from ministries, guys, that I built with my blood, sweat, and tears just to to know the, the passing understanding of Christ. And you might argue, I was in a group many years ago, and God said, close the group. Like, Why are you closing the group? It's amazing. God's moving. I go, yeah, but God said to close it. See, we've got to understand we own nothing. See, I don't want one hand in, the, in, in God and one hand in the world. I don't want one foot in the, in the kingdom of God and, the, and one foot in the kingdom of darkness. Because you know what can I say this way? I'll never inherit the promise. 
I remember, I think I might have shared this story, but I know there's a lot of people that listen that, that, that know me. There was a time in, in my life where I got asked a question and it was about our business was collapsing and there's a lot of things going on financially. And this particular person said to me, where's your God now? And he didn't say it in an arrogant sense like he's trying to put me down because he heard me preaching, preaching for years and telling them how good God is and what God was doing. He said, where's your God now? And that, was, that hit me for six, that question, because that's a question I even ask sometimes to myself. And we're walking down the street. He goes, where's God now in, this, in all this? Where is it? And I shook my head. I said, God is exactly where he wants to be. See, there's nothing stopping God right now. Uh, putting on someone's heart to come and ring me up and say, Tony, here's a check. Pay all your debts. And God can do that. And God has done that. There's nothing God saying wiping out my debt. And God can do that. God has done that. But at that point in time, the guy asked me a serious question. And I had to answer it in the sense of from I had to look within me and look what came out of me. And I truly believe this to this day. I said, God can do all those things I just said. He can fix it up. He can he can put out those fires. He can do whatever you want at that time and save my butt. But guess what? All he would be doing is he'll be blessing Ishmael. But God wanted to give me an Isaac. See, the more God starts to bless your fires that you start, or God starts to bless all the the things I've done out of my flesh, guess what happens? I will never understand who my true Isaac is. See, if God had said to Abraham, look, I know he's your son, just leave him in there. No, no, no. God's ultimate purpose was to bring an inheritance to this earth. See, what is your Ishmael today? Who is your Ishmael today? Who are you keep? Who is it that you need God to keep propping up? Or what is it that you're not trying to let go of? Because that's your Ishmael. What is it that you have birthed out of the flesh that could be a good thing but not a God thing that needs to be cast out? What is it in your life that's holding you bound so you can't receive the promise, which is Isaac? Is that any question for you to answer? See, for me, I've always, I've always struggled with provision. And what I mean by that, I've always had this fear that I can never provide for my family because I went through such a hard time financially. And God's been training me in this area to say, I trust God in everything, in all ways, no matter what. I'm going to trust God, not because of, see, money doesn't solve your problem. Let me tell you right now, money does not solve your problem. God being your provider solves your problem. God has to be your provider in every situation. See, this word worked for Isaac in the wilderness and it will work for you in Sydney today. So you've got to remember, God blessed Abraham abundantly. He was a very, very wealthy man. I love the story where he he uh, he took Lot with him. And when he left and, and, and took Lot with him, and, they, and Lot's men had a fight with Abraham's men over the land because the sheep and the goats and the cows, whatever. He said, look, this can't stay like this. Lot, you pick. What you want, and I'll take you. So he actually gave, because the inheritance was Abraham's. But Abraham said, you know what? Lot, you pick. So Lot, Lot picked by sight. He picked all the land that was close to Sodom and Gomorrah. It was the, Abraham says, no worries. I'll go take this other land. It was probably dry, rugged rocks. But he understood that God was his provider. He didn't understand, oh, that land's better than mine. Oh, oh hang on, hang on. God told me to leave. You came with me, Lot. No, no, Abraham said, you know what? God is my provider. God will provide my needs. And if it means I go to the backside of the desert, I'll go. But God's not going to provide. Look what Lot ended up. Ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he ended up with all the headaches. Abraham was blessed. Ishmael is a product of the flesh. Ishmael came from the loins of Abraham. was never going to have an inheritance of the son. Um, it's funny when you when you look at it. Uh, Paul talks about uh, Haggai and talks about Sarah in Galatians quite a lot because 
you're either a slave to, to the flesh or slave to sin, or you're a slave to righteousness. I want to ask you another question. Is the voice of the world louder than the voice of the kingdom of God? I want you to think about that for a second. There's two voices out there. There are many voices, but ultimately there's only two voices. You know, when we uh, wanna, uh, we, we, talk, we talk a lot about fasting and prayer, and don't ever think fasting and prayer is the power. Jesus at the cross is the power. Amen? What Jesus did, it's the finished work of the cross. And I often say it this way, when we fast and pray, it's a key to unlocking what God's placed in us. Amen? But fasting, for example, it uh, deals with our unbelief. It deals with the flesh. Yeah? I heard this statement the other day. Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, he would fast for many, many days, many hours, many days, many weeks. And it was all about denying the flesh. It was all about putting the deeds of the flesh to death. Yeah? But there's only one problem. You can fast till you're anorexic and die. Unless you're born again. It's not producing any fruit. You're with me. So you must be born again. You must have the Spirit of God inside you. See, without the Spirit of God, listen to me. Listen to me very, very carefully here. Unless my nature had to change from the inside out, the flesh accounts for nothing. But when I change my nature from the inside out, I'm born again. I'm illuminated on the inside. I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory. Guess what happens now? Now I'm dealing with a spirit nature that's of God. I can be taught by God. I can be taught by the Holy Ghost. But guess what? I have a flesh to contend with. The Bible says, bringing the flesh dead. It's only one process. When Jesus died on the cross, when I died in Christ, my flesh was crucified. Amen? The old Tony died. The old Tammy died. The old Maria died. The old Susan died. The old Rams died. And then the newness of life came up. But guess what? Can I say it this way? People say, flesh is dead and we've been crucified with Christ. Why do I struggle in the flesh? And I think it's a valid question, don't you? I do. But if someone's dead, he's dead. Can't resurrect himself. But the flesh is being crucified. But can I say it this way? The sinful nature, where Bible says, put off the old man and put on the new man, which is Christ. Amen? It's like this. I, I, I sort of was thinking, how am I going to explain this? Someone hurt you. Someone offended you. Someone did trauma to you. Someone really abused their authority over you, and they died. They're dead. You're never going to see them again. They're never going to walk past you. But guess what? 20 years from now, someone's mentioned their name, and you get freaked out. Or someone brings up, you drive past their house, or you might meet a family member, or whatever it is. I'm just using an analogy. If I haven't considered them dead, then they're still alive in me. In other words, if I haven't reckoned them dead and out of my life, they're still alive. See, if I don't put the deeds of the flesh to death, guess what? They're still alive in me. Does that make sense? In other words, if I haven't been crucified with Christ and understood who I am in Christ, guess what? The bond servant and her son is still with me. And they want to raise their ugly head. Amen? But I have to understand one thing here, that the reason why God says cast it out, the reason why he says a little level corrupts the whole mess, the reason why he says old wine, you thought, why? He knows that eventually that side will corrupt the true wine, the true spirit. You know, we know the, the, the lust of the flesh is, we can go through all the, all the things of the flesh, the pride of life, the haughty eyes, all that. But your spirit, man, can only be defiled one way, and that's false doctrine. Your soul can be defiled by traumas, offense, greed, and then your flesh is obviously defiled by um, sexual immorality, all that sort of stuff. I want to ask you a question. Don't ever think that you can't defile your spirit, because you can. You can never defile the Holy Spirit in you, but you can distort your spirit, even as a Christian, if you start believing in false doctrine. 
That's a warning here. That's why when I pray in the spirit, my mind's not fruitful. That's why when I pray in the spirit, he edifies me. That's why when I pray in the spirit, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to be my teacher, guys. So I can strengthen my inner man. See, if I knew everything in my spirit, man, like some Christians believe, that's it, I'm saved by grace, leave me alone. Guess what? What's the point? What's, why do I edify myself there? If my mind's not fruitful, and so my natural mind and my flesh is not fruitful, and I edify my spirit, man, why do I need to edify my spirit, friend, if I know, if I know everything? Why do I have to renew the spirit of my mind? What's the point? That's in, uh, I'll pull that up for you. I had it out ready to go. Here we are. That's uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, the scripture in Romans says, renew, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Talking about your natural mind. When we read the word of God, guess what it does? It starts to transform us. But here he's talking about be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man in the spirit, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that when we were born again, guess what came into us? Righteousness, holiness. The question is, are we working from the outside in or from the inside out? I should write a song about that, eh? No, there is one already. I'm joking, Antoine. Therefore, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Look, he says, this is uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Now, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry, but sin not. That's me. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. He uh, Rather, let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give to him who is needed. See, see that there? Long as you work and you got something to give someone who's in need. But hang on, that's the work of the flesh. No, it's not. Can you get the difference? You understand what I'm trying to say about flesh and spirit? Understand, I can do something in the natural, which is of God. But if I do something that's in my own power, in my own might, that's of the flesh, of the carnal mind. And it's necessary. Look what he says here. I'm going to keep reading this. The Holy Spirit's taking me. I wasn't even going there. Um, work, labor with your hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has, has need. Then he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good from the, for necessary edification, that it may be imparted grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom by you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Shout amen there. You see, I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm driving this point home. Whether the world says you need to take this jab, whether the world says, we're all going to die. Whether the world says you're very bad people because you don't wear masks or do wear masks. You know, that's all the devil trying to entangle us. It's like Jesus healing the man on the Sabbath. He says, you're breaking the law. Jesus says, get with the program, mate. Is that you? If your donkey's all in the hole, then you get it out. Your, your priests break the Sabbath every week. But the law of the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, the law wasn't meant to be kept to tick a box. The law was there to point to Christ. Amen. And we gotta understand something here. Uh, and I, I we gotta we gotta be careful. Here. I, I, uh, how can I say this? I can go the letter of the law and say, okay, that guy spoke in tongues in church and he didn't interpret, he's in error. Or I can say, um, no one went to an elder to get advice. Or I could say, I can say many things like that. But that's the letter of the law. Guess what the letter of the law does? It kills. They're valid questions to ask, but let me ask you a question. Let me ask you, sir. Are you free? Is your liberty in Christ? I'm free in Christ because of what he has done for me. 
I live my life according to his will. And when I'm out of order, the Holy Spirit brings me back into order. But I want to entertain Ishmael and the bonds and the slave woman anymore. I want to entertain. How do we entertain that? Start thinking back. What if I did this? Or what if I should have done And I shouldn't have married him. And I shouldn't have married her. I should have done this. And I should have done that. And guess what? We entertain the old nature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The greatest discipline, uh, can, can I share this with you? This is a secret, don't tell anyone. The greatest disappointment in a Christian's life is when you put a brother on a pedestal. Because one day they're going to fall off that pedestal. One day they're going to say something that you're not going to like. One day they're going to do something that you're not going to like. One day they're going to not fulfill a need that you wanted. One day they're, not, they're, gonna, they're actually going to be in error. And you fall, and they fall off the pedestal, and your faith is derailed. I pray that every person on the sound of my voice has their faith in Christ and Christ alone. I have mentors that I go to. Uh, I speak to my brother Rabs. I speak to my brother Chaz. I speak to I spoke to one of my old pastors, David Mack, who who was one of the, my mentors in my early early days, and I honour them. But they're not the substance of my faith. They're not the the, the fuel that I live off. The Holy Spirit is the fuel I drink in that. So I want to encourage you in this area, guys, that the flesh will only bring destruction to you. Your, your emotions will only bring you down. And if you're in a place now where you don't know what to do at the moment, some people might be losing their jobs because of certain rules and regulations. I want you to understand. Don't go by fear. Step back and get into the Holy Spirit and get, get some peace, get some clarity. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Because the flesh will war against the spirit. But those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. And I want to close with this story. Uh, a lot of people, I don't know if you know, uh, anyone heard of a man named Smith Wigglesworth? Smith, Smith Wigglesworth was known as the apostle of faith. Smith Wigglesworth's ministry was in the early 1900s. Uh, or late uh, in the early 1900s, mid 1900s, and this man uh, raised the dead many times. This man had one of the greatest healing ministries in uh, in England and Scotland. He even came to Australia and he prophesied in Australia that the last revival would be birthed in Sydney. In, not, uh, sorry, in Australia. Now there's another man you've probably never heard of named Lester Summerall. Anyone heard of a man named Lester Summerall? He started a ministry called Feed the World Missions. He passed away recently. He actually came to Parramatta and preached. David Mack, my pastor, remembers bringing him out here. And he was a mighty man of God. No, no frills, no mucking around, just man of God. But he was an amazing man of God. And this is the story. So Smith Wigglesworth is in the ministry. He's going from country to town to city to villages running meetings, and he was not a very popular man, very harsh man, but amazing miracles. Lester Summerall decides, or I don't know how it came about, I don't know, the, I can't remember exactly, he wanted to be come and work alongside Smith and be mentored by him. So the first day he shows up, he gets come to my house at this time, he comes. Now, this man, uh, Lester Summerall, is a young man at this time, he shows up with a newspaper under his arm, he walks in, hi, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Smith Wigglesworth looked at him and says, what's that? He gets a newspaper. He says, okay, this is the only time I'll tell you. If you're going to walk with me and you want to learn what God's doing through me and you're called to walk with me, you from this day on, you read nothing else. You don't read the newspaper and you don't listen to the news. He goes, oh, but, but I like to read the news. He goes, I, don't know, I want to know what's going on. He goes, if you want to walk in faith, you don't read what the world says, and you don't listen to what the world says. You only read what the Holy Spirit tells you. And that was his condition. You see, this man had to pay a price, and he did pay that price, and he had amazing ministry. He saved so many people. This man ended up with ships. Lester Summerall ended up with ships that he owned that was carting food to Africa. This is how much God blessed this man because he was sold out for the gospel. 
And I wanted to share this with you. This little, and someone reminded me of this story today. And I remember reading that in Smith Wiggles' book. Now, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Don't feed on the world. Don't feed on the misery of the world. Don't feed on what the world's trying to tell us, what the world's trying to do to us. Don't look about what you see. Look about, you should not be moved by what you see and what you hear. You should be only moved by what the Word of God says. And that's a place we all need to get to. Adam went by what he saw. There was nothing in the garden that he had to believe for, for faith. Everything was there. The only thing he had to trust God with, don't touch that tree. They ate from that tree. And what he saw Eve eat, guess what? She didn't die. She didn't die. So he went by sight. God said, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. Guess what? She ate. She didn't die. So what did he do? He ate. He went by what he saw, not by what he believed. God said to him, do not touch that tree. God said to him, I've given you the power and authority. God said to him, tend to the garden. Keep to it. Subdue it. It's all yours. You see, the enemy will entice us by what we can't have. The enemy will entice us about what might happen. The enemy will entice us. Guess, let me tell you something. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith in what Christ has done for us, the hope of glory. And if you're lacking faith, or if you're struggling in your faith, we've all been there. Get into the spirit. Open up that word. When they say, oh, we're going to shut you down, the military's coming, what you say is, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me, we do condemn. For we are the heritage of the Lord. When they say, listen, you're going to get sick and die, and put masks on, and then your kids, you say, the God never gave me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Oh, but my kids might get sick. Bible says the blood of Jesus conquered the devil, hell, and the grave. You know, you speak back. When the devil tried to scare even Jesus and say, Jesus said, listen, Jesus just answered him with the word of God. Jesus could have said, I am the Messiah, get lost. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, get lost. No, he said, it is written, devil, why? Because the word of God is powerful and is like a double-edged sword. When the world says, listen, they're going to, all this is a, is a, listen, forget the vaccine. They're trying to shut down Christianity right now. They're trying to shut up the mouth of the voice. But listen, are we willing to speak what is truth? Are we willing to walk around your house and say, I am in the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Devil, you have no grounds. You have been defeated at Calvary. When they remind you of the virus, you remind the devil of where he's going to end up in the pit of hell for eternity. Hallelujah. It's time to awaken the spirit of faith inside you. Hallelujah. I'm not pretending there's nothing out there. I'm not pretending someone might be sick. I'm not pretending. I don't pretend. But I walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to his name. You know, there's so many confessions we can make. But don't make a confession for the sake of making a confession. I believe what I hear. I believe what the Holy Spirit showed me. I believe by faith. I believe that when we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I believe that every time we speak, the word of God does not return void. I believe, I believe in the future. No, I, I won't sing again. Last time I sang, my, my kids never came home in a few days. Is someone getting this? I don't care my circumstances. I've been down that place where I'm busted and disgusted. I've been where I've sowed seed of, of, of faith and sowed seed of money and had no money to pay my bills. I've been in a place where my body's supposed to be healed, but I'm sick. I've been in a place where I cannot provide. I've been there but it didn't change the fact that Christ is my provider. Christ is my healer. Christ is my defender. Christ is my substance. The Holy Spirit is the truth. I'm never going to change on my confession. Why? What comes out of my mouth is coming out of my heart. If I don't believe, start believing. Get around people of faith. I'll never tell you what to do. Rabs will never tell you what to do, but we'll tell you what the Word of God says. We'll tell you what faith says. We'll tell you what the, the power of what God's create, uh, God did at the cross. I'm here to encourage you guys. That's not shrivel back. The Bible says, I will build my church. Are we the church? Put your hand up if you were the church. Are you part of the church? Are you the church? Are you the body of Christ? And the gates of hell will not prevail. We're going to kick the kingdom of darkness down. I went today to a bike shop to buy a bike. And the guy in the counter started telling me that he suffered from anxiety and, 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 uh, uh, what do you say? 
he suffered from, uh, I think it's anxiety, he said, or like a trauma. He's older. He's had it since he was a kid. And I said to him, brother, nothing to fear. For perfect love, cast out all fear. Brother, I'm here. I'm going to go back to get my bike tomorrow. I'm going to lay hands on him and pray for him. But I'll put the sanitizer first, then I'll lay hands on him. So I had to sanitize my hands before I walked into the shop. Listen to me. That's not walking in darkness. It's walking light. Listen, you might be the only light in this darkness out there. I, I go to work. I don't want to be the light at work. You don't know how many people are scared out there. There's so many people scared. No, I'm not just talking about old ladies and mums. I'm talking about men that are scared. They don't know what's going on. They believe the light. You be the light in that darkness. Come on, somebody. Let's not shrivel back. Let's go forward. Let's understand that he has arisen and gone before us. Hallelujah. So look, I hope we uh, get a hold of this. And I hope, you know what? We live, we do live in un, unprecedented times. And I was sharing with a brother today. I said, listen, brother, we had it easy. I believe I had an easy walk for 19 years, but now it's time to rise up in faith. Now is time. We have brothers in, all around the world. And I can, I'm pretty sure Pastor Mondu could tell us what they're going through. And I can... Sure, but listen to me. It's not what you're going through. It's what Christ has already gone through. If we can live out of the fact that even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Can I even go one step further? Christ has already gone in the valley of the shadow of death himself, and he's conquered death, hell, and the grave. So I love you guys. I want to encourage you guys. I want to, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're, I know it's hard not to meet. I know people get there, a lot of energy for meeting. I love meeting people and sitting with people. I know it's tough times. That's okay. Use this time for you and the Lord. Use this time to be still and know that he is God. Use this time to feed on the things of the spirit. People say, no, I don't have time to read. Well, you've got plenty of time now. Oh, I haven't time to worship. You've got plenty of time now. And listen to me, listen to me very carefully. Yes, if you're lacking faith, go get scriptures of faith. If you, if you don't feel like you have fear, get scriptures of protection. Get in the word and eat and consume the Bible. Come on. This is something you've got to do. This is something you've got to search out. Who loves the fact that when we, the Bible says the spirit of truth will come, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide us into all truth. It doesn't say he always give it to us. He said he'll guide us to it. Why? There's always something about us finding something out for ourselves. There's a, there's a, there's a massive treasure in finding something out for yourself. It's a, when you get a revelation, it's like, oh, wow, I just got this revelation. It's yours. Your testimony, no one can take off you. Why do we play find treasure, treasure hunts with kids? Because you can give them a lolly. Why do they get so excited to find a lolly where you gave them the whole packet? It's something that they found. Something that God, the Holy Spirit leads us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will, will guide us so we can find that revelation because no one can take it off you. There's no one going to tell me that Jesus is not real. I don't care if Martians come down from Mars, from another planet, Christ is still real because I have tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. Amen? Cast out that bond woman, her and her son. Cast her out. Don't even entertain it. And this time and place, and this situation that we're in now, cast out fear. Look at this. I've been on this for about a month. God never gave us a spirit of fear. And it's amazing when God says, God never gave us. Now we look in the Old Testament, fear not, I am with you. Don't be dismayed. Fear not, fear not, fear not. But here God says, I never gave you a spirit of fear. And I thought about that today. God never gave us a spirit of fear. Okay, no one said you did. <laughs> Look at this. God never gave us a spirit of fear. He gave us love 
power and a sound mind. And I started to think about that and meditate on that today. God never gave us a spirit of fear. But why am I in fear? But God never gave me fear. But why am I in fear? So if God never gave me fear, why are we fearing? I know Old Testament says do not fear, but there's the fear of the Lord, which is totally different. But God never gave us a spirit of fear. So what did God give us? Ask yourself this question. If God never gave me the spirit of fear, then God gave me love, power, and a sound mind. See, if I'm in fear, I don't have any sound mind. I'm not, I don't have a stable mind. I don't walk in any power, and I can't understand the love of God. When I, when I understand that Christ in me, the hope of glory, when I was born again to a living hope, I'm born again. I'm no longer the old Tony. You're no longer the old Eva and Chris and, and Jesse. You are a new creation or a new species in Christ. When you were born naturally, you are born of your parents. You inherited everything of your grandfather, Adam. But when I'm born again, I inherit from my brother, Jesus, my father in heaven. Hallelujah. And now that spirit that lives in me is not of fear. It's of love, power, and a sound mind. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. I'm preaching myself happy. I don't care what you guys are feeling, but I'm excited. I'm about to lay hands on myself. I can't drop this enough. I honestly can't drop this enough. I go by the natural. Go by the spirit. But listen, you must feed your spirit, man. Your, your spiritual man, yes, is born again. Yes, the Holy Ghost lives in there. But the Holy Ghost is not doing nothing for you. You're going to do it yourself. He says, you walk in the spirit. You edify yourself. You fast. You pray. You give. You worship. He leads us into that. The Holy Spirit leads us into that. And then out of that comes the rivers of living water. Out of that comes the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Remember what we said? Believe in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. When I was born in, from my mother, all I had to give me was the law of sin and death. When I was born again, I have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. So, Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you, Father, for every sound of every person in the sound of my voice. Father, that when I, as I drink this water, it's like I'm drinking faith, hope, and love. It's as simple as that. Be willing to receive because the Father is willing to bestow upon you. For you never gave us a spirit of fear. You gave us, when we were born again, love, power, and a sound mind. We receive the spirit of grace that lives on the inside of us. Lord, that I grow from grace to grace, from glory to glory. Father, I thank you tonight. You haven't left us as an orphan. But we're not only children of God, we are soldiers of Christ. We arise up on our inner man, Father. We thank you that you have risen up on the inside of us that we can be bold as lions, Father, that we can stretch out our hand and touch the living God, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue, every lying, filthy, media tongue that speaks against us, we condemn. For we are the heritage of the Lord. I thank you, Father, that we are your children. You haven't left us, nor would you ever forsake us. But as we rise up, Father, we thank you that we can rise up and every step we take is a step already ordained by the Lord. I thank you for every person that needs to make decisions, Lord, that you give them provisions, that you give them peace that passes all understanding. Lord, protect those who are sick. Lord, I thank you that your protection is upon them right now. I thank you, Father, that your healing power is touching them as we speak right now. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Father, that your, your word is a lamp under my feet and a light unto my path. I give you praise and honor, Father. I thank you right now. I thank you, Father, that we're not just giving you lip service and our hearts away from you, but, Lord, we give our hearts to you so our lips can see, 
say what the Lord wants us to say. We speak to that mountain and we call grace upon that mountain. I uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. The work you started in us, you will complete. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. And I want to finish off with Psalm 91. I think it's a timely thing. Psalm 91 says, I live in the shelter of the Most High, and I find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about you, Lord. You alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God and in whom I trust. For you will rescue me from every trap and protect me from every deadly disease. Like a mother's head, you will cover me with your feathers. You will shelter me with your, your wings. Your faithful promises are my armor and my protection. I do not dread the disease that stalks me in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes in the midday. Though a thousand fall on my side, though ten thousand are dying around me, these evils will not touch me. Hallelujah. For I make the Lord my refuge. If I make the Most High my shelter, no evil will conquer me, no plague will come near my home. Your order or your you order your angels to protect me wherever I go. They will hold me up with their hands, so I won't even hurt my foot on a stone. I will trample upon lions and cobras. I will crush fierce lions and serpents under my feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When I call on God, he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will rescue and honor me. I will be satisfied with the full life and with all that God does for me. For I will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. I will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. Salvation means body, soul, and spirit. Zozo. We don't just walk by salvation. is We go to heaven. Body, soul, and spirit. Hallelujah. So I thank you for that, Father. And I pray in Jesus' name. For those listening online, we love you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's very simple. The Bible says, whoever believes in their heart and confesses from their mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Repent of your sins. Make Jesus the Lord of your life, and he will change your life from that moment on. Holy Spirit, you have their way. Fill any brother and sister with the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, you are the God in control. You're not the God that lost control. We thank you, Father, for that, and we honor you. We thank you. Bless you guys. See you on Thursday. We're here every Monday and Thursday, and no matter what the enemy does, no matter what darkness does, turn on the light. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you. Peace be with you. Amen.